It's great to be here this morning. Um, it's, uh, if you're new or visiting, my name is Jordan. I'm a staff pastor here at Rockside. And um, welcome. We're just so glad you're here worshiping with us today. Thank you, worship team. Like, it was really a treat to be on the other end of this. Um, great job. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but they come during the week, Thursday nights. They give of their time. They get here early Sunday. And uh, they just do a great job leading us into the presence of God. So great job, worship team. We appreciate you guys. So we've been in a sermon series called Flawed for the past couple of weeks. And today we are going to look at the life of Jacob. And there are a lot of chapters. So I encourage you this week, we're not going to read it word by word this morning. Uh, We'll get out at like 530 People will be hungry. They'll start rioting. We're not going to do that. But I encourage you this week when you have some time, read through Genesis 25 through 33. There's a lot to Jacob's life. Um, And it's amazing to see that God works in flawed people like Jacob, like me, like you guys. Uh, And he does great things uh, in and through us. So I want to share this story. So Arabella, could you put this picture up? Can we just say, ah? so this is me and my brothers. Which one am I? I'm the one on the left that looks like he got licked by a llama. <laughs> I'm that one. Uh, so here's a story. Uh, when we were around this age, it was time to go to the doctor. And what is every kid's fear when going to the doctor? What question are they asking? Am I going to get a... Yes, and that was our fear. Um, and, you know, we do the, the, the doctor comes in, does our little checkup, and then, of course, they wait till the last, you know, you know, they save the worst for last. And there's three of us, so, you know, I'm the, I'm the youngest, so my oldest, Joshua, in the middle here, he goes first, and they close the door and they lock it behind them. And they're like, all right, buddy, come on, sit up here on the paper. Remember the paper? Ah, I love that. And then they were trying to hide the needle, uh, but we saw it because, you know, we were very vigilant. Like, we don't want sharp things near us. And, you know, they gave him the shot. He's screaming. I'm looking at my twin, Jonathan. I'm like, we're getting out of here, man. And uh, we we tried to book it out of there, but the door's locked. We were stuck. And... uh, it was just, uh, it was a funny memory I thought of while I was preparing this. Uh, so I know me, I was like four, four or five then. I'm 32, 32? I'm old enough to forget my age. Um, I'm 32, 32, right, Leah? 32. I'm 32. And uh, I know that I want to avoid things that cause me pain, right? I want to avoid things that cause me uh, uh, to struggle. Uh, I, w- I want to run away from all that, right? If I had it my way, it would be sunny and 75 every day. I wouldn't need to match socks. Come on, who hates that? I do. Wouldn't need to go to the BMV and uh, get my registration renewed. They, like, need too much paperwork. Um, but anyway, uh, toilet paper would never run out. You know, it just I struggle with struggling, and I think I'm not alone in this. Uh, we all have things in life that cause us to struggle, things that we want to avoid. And I made a short list here. Maybe it's your health. Maybe there's something going on 
you feel like something's off, but you, uh, you kind of avoid that. You don't want to make that call. You'd rather just uh, ignore it. My young adults, you know, you just pray and pray you don't die and you'll make it through your 20s. And, um, as far as relationships, maybe there's unresolved conflict. Or instead of clearing the air, we avoid or shove it down. Or uh, maybe we cut people off. Here's an interesting one I was thinking of. Maybe academic. Maybe you dropped out of school and instead of trying again, you ignore the idea of going back because you don't want to fail again. Maybe we struggle spiritually. Maybe you're mad at God. Maybe something happened in your life and you think if God was really good, why would he let this happen? Well, if you're in that place of struggle today, you're not alone. We all are there in one way or another. And the great news is that we aren't the first people to struggle with struggling. Uh, Jacob was someone who struggled in, in his life, but with God's help, he overcame. So let's pray this morning, and then we'll, we'll jump in here. So, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive and active that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. Jesus, we pray that you would illuminate your word and your truth would be known to us today. You would show us where we need to step. Jesus, I pray that you would just uh, give me the right words to say. In your name we pray. Amen. So who was Jacob? So Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. You may recall the term, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is this Jacob we're talking about. And God made a covenant with Abraham, Grandpa Abe, then Isaac, and then in Genesis 28, he makes the same covenant with Jacob. And this covenant has three parts. I am God. Uh, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're standing, and all people will be blessed through you and your offspring. And what is the blessing that God is referring to? It's Jesus. Even in the first book of the Bible, Jesus is right in there. God already has plans in motion to redeem humanity. That's good news. That is good news. But just like Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, and his father, Isaac, Jacob was not the most upright person. Uh, he had some flaws. And uh, his, his, the name Jacob literally means deceiver or heel grabber. Remember those books your mom would open? It's like, we're going to name our baby. Like, I can imagine Rebecca opening. Oh, Jacob, heel grabber. Let's pick that one. Um, <laughs> he was the second born of Isaac and Rebecca. And uh, when, in Genesis 25, when they were born, it says Jacob's hand was actually grabbing Esau's heel when he was born. So, we're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 25, verses 27 through 34. I'm going get ready, y'all. We're going to read some scripture. Um, so here we go. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful, skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents with his mom. I kind of, I kind of, this in modern context, it would be like, uh, Jacob was in the basement eating Doritos, playing video games. Like, that's kind of the, the thing here. So, 
Uh, Isaac, who had a wild taste for game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So already in these couple few verses here, we see that there's, this family's kind of dysfunctional. Dad loves the firstborn, mom loves the, there's kind of this sibling rivalry. Um, there's some issues in this family. And uh, let's keep going here. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. Famished, He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. That's kind of random, but look, I'm about to die. Esau said, what good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Okay, we're going to jump down to Genesis 27, 6 through 23. So Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some of that game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. You can tell they've been married a while. She knows. Then take it to your father and eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, my mother, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man. Well, I have smooth skin. Uh, what if my father touches me? It would appear that I'd be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So as a good mama's boy, he went out and got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food, just like his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son. She also covered his hands with the smooth part and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she made. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am, your, I am Esau, your firstborn. That's probably how he said it, too, stumbling. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Uh, the, the Lord, your God, gave me great success, he replied. <laughs> then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Esau, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. So, thanks for hanging in there. Uh, so after Isaac blesses Jacob, Jacob gets out of there as quick as possible. And sure enough, Esau is right there behind him with his wild game that he hunted. And Esau's expecting, finally, I'm going to receive this blessing from my father. But Isaac realizes that Jacob tricked him. Uh, it says in verse 35, he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? 
This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taking my blessing. And so Esau, being the great hunter that he is, his response to all this was, I'm going to kill my brother. So, uh, so Re- Rebecca hears this and uh, tells Jacob to flee to his uncle Laban's house and to stay, just stay with Uncle Laban until things calm down. So he's on the run, and he sets out for Uncle Laban's house. And while he's running, he decides to stop for the night. And as he was sleeping, God reveals himself and gives him that promise that he gave his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. He says, I I will make you a great nation, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And Jacob responds, God, I'm going to follow you. Now let's back up a little bit. When, remember when he was handing the wild game to his father, he's like, the, the, the Lord, your God, gave me great success. Uh, there's, in this moment, it's no longer the Lord, your God, it's the Lord, my God. I think that's an important distinction to make real quick. Um, there needs to come a time in our lives where it's not someone else's faith who gets us through this situation. It's our faith. Um, it's not uh, someone praying on behalf of me. It's me praying to God myself. Uh, there's, there's time when we need to mature in God and take that step forward. And you see Jacob take that step here. So he says, God, I'm going to follow you. And he sets a pillar, and he calls it Bethel. So from there, we would totally expect Jacob to live a life of smooth sailing, right? It's, it's now sub, sunny in 75. He wouldn't need to match socks. He wouldn't need to go to the BMV. Toilet paper would never run out, right? But what really happens? So Jacob arrives at his uncle Laban's house, and the first person he meets is Rachel. Uh, Rachel is beautiful, and Scripture says that Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep. Uh, that's kind of weird, kind of forward of him. But it's, it's in there, so you should read it this week. Anyways, Jacob stays with his uncle Laban for about a month, and Laban decides to hire Jacob for seven years. And the agreement is at the end of those seven years, Jacob could marry Rachel. So at the end of those seven years, the time has come, and it says this in Genesis 29, 22 through 30. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. Someone say, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah. And Jacob made love to her. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. And Laban gave his servant Zilpha to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. Uh Uh-oh. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, and then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. (laughs) So that's a short phrase, another seven years. But I know that if I had been deceived and I had to work another seven years for what was originally promised to me, I don't know if I would have stayed. And... uh, what if, what if Laban changes his mind, right? I already don't trust the guy. Uh, I would have been struggling, but knowing Jacob up to this point, uh, 
it's interesting. He, he got in, into this whole situation by running. It's just like, keep doing that, man. Just get out of there. But what does he do? It says, and Jacob did so. So in these couple of verses, you see the change that's taking place in Jacob's life. The guy who was once uh, deceiving people and running away is now being deceived. Um, and it, but is sticking through things. He's following God, and you see God leading him in his life and through this process. So it looks like God is using difficult situations to bring his plans for Jacob. And even though Jacob struggles in this season, God blesses him, right? Uh, not only did Jacob have Rachel and Leah, but God blessed him with kids and with goats, which are similar to kids, um, and camels and donkeys. And in, in Genesis 31, verse 3, the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your, of your father. And this meant that Jacob would need to return to the place where he fled from, okay? I want to re read one more verse, and then we'll, we'll kind of unpack this a little bit. So Genesis 32, 22 through 28. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent them, uh, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. In this moment, you see God, he does his best work when the comforts of life are gone. The people that you find comfort in are gone. And it's just you and him. Let's keep reading. So, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When you look into this, um, this, these scriptures, uh, this man is a messianic figure. Um, some theologians believe uh, it's God wrestling with uh, with Jacob, or it may even be Jesus or an angel. Um, but anyways, um, Jacob is wrestling with this figure till daybreak. When he saw that the man could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then he said, let me go for it is daybreak. But jo Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? He doesn't say Isaac. He doesn't say Esau. He says, I'm Jacob. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. So if you read on from there, Jacob and Esau are reconciled, and God brings healing to their relationship. So... When it comes to the life of Jacob, and thanks for hanging in there. I know that was a lot. <laughs> so when it comes to the life of Jacob, here's what you need to know today. If there's one thing I want you to walk away with today, it's this, okay? God uses struggle to shape you. God uses struggle to shape you. Jacob went from deceiving people to believing that God uh, would lead him where he needs to be led. And God used the process of struggle to bring about change in Jacob. So there were three things that, was, that were shaped in Jacob through struggle. Number one is his identity. 
at the beginning of the story, we read that he was content with his mom in the tents. Remember, basement, Doritos, video games. That was Jacob. The only identity he had was deceiving others. Like, he was just, that was him. He would fake, he pretended to be someone he wasn't. Um, but God moved him from a place where he was content to a place of challenge, where he was in difficult situations, situations where he needed God to act. Um, and in that, uh, it changed his identity. He was no longer a deceiver, but he was an overcomer. The next thing that, that God changed was his character. So whenever there was an issue, he would run. He would run from it. Um, but God matured him to a place where he led him back to his brother Esau. He led him back to that place where he was running. Uh, and that's difficult sometimes uh, to, to do that, to face those fears. But God led him to that place. And the third thing that was shaped in Jacob was his faith. Instead of deceiving to get what he wanted, he trusted God to provide what he needed. And just like Jacob, God uses struggle to shape you. And worship team, you can come up. I'm going to move down here. We're, we're going to play musical mics today. So I'll come down here. So God uses struggle to shape you. Just like me in that doctor's office, we tend to run away from things that cause us pain. And, and this is why I bring this up today. If, if for your whole life you run away from things that cause you pain, you will never mature, change, or be shaped into fully what God needs you to be. We were talking about missions pledges. Maybe for some of us, that struggle is finances, and God is stretching our faith to trust him, that he's the provider. What could be shaped through your struggle? Just like Jacob, I would say your identity. God wants to move you into a place uh, that might be uncomfortable, but a place where uh, you, are content, uh, you are content to be challenged. Let's just say it that way. I know for, um, I think of our jam nights, uh, you know, once a month, and just the first time people come in, you can tell it's a challenge. This is a lot, but they're trusting the process. And as they walk through that, they see, okay, I didn't die. <laughs> I can keep going. Uh, I think there's something to that. And, and while we're trusting God in that process, he's shaping our identity. He's shaping uh, who he needs us to be. Number two, your character. God wants you to mature to a place where you just stop running and you start addressing what needs addressed. Maybe for us it's to make that phone call to the doctor and finally make the appointment instead of worrying about is this something serious or not. Maybe for some of us it's calling that relative. Thanksgiving's coming, y'all. And uh, maybe we... Bring reconciliation to that relationship. Number three, God wants to shape your faith. God wants you to rely on him. He knows what he's doing. We look at the world events, I want to remind us today, God knows what he's doing. We say he's Lord of all, he really is. 
So believe that, trust that, walk that out. So here's what we need to do today. Embrace who God has made you to be. Don't pretend to be an Esau. Be Jacob. Number two, examine yourself and ask, what is God trying to build in me this season? Is it courage? Is it grace? Is it perseverance? Is it integrity? And number three, engage with what you're avoiding. Because as you face those hard things, God will use it to challenge you and to change you into who he needs you to be. God uses struggle to shape you.
uh, supporting at Rockside Church for quite some time. And actually, it's a couple, Jay and Carrie Rosper, and they're serving in Madagascar. They're, they're just like a really awesome couple. If you ever get the chance to meet them, I highly recommend it. So uh, Rockside supports uh, Jay and Carrie Rosifer, who have been joyfully, and I really mean that, they're joyful, serving in Madagascar, and they've served there for 22 years. Prior to being called to missions, they served in Ohio as church planters and pastors for 12 years before that. So um, I'm going to share some of the things uh, the Rossifers have done and some things they just are still uh, doing in Madagascar. And uh, they've led youth ministry to international students and young people. And they both have conducted marriage seminars and have also created materials and participated in discipleship and training to countless people. Um, Jay translated the Royal Rangers curriculum into Malagasy, bringing to uh, uh, bringing to promote a strong children's ministry. Sorry, <laughs> and as a couple, they have had the privilege of helping plant, build, and establish many new churches. And many people have been touched and changed by the gospel message through the Rostifers. Um, and their teams conducting evangelical crusades throughout Madagascar in, the, in many cities from the top to the bottom and um, even into the bush. And thousands have come to know Jesus because of that. And so Jay has also taught for 19 years in the Bible school, helping to train and equip future pastors and ministry leaders and Jay also leads uh, for Madagascar as a liaison for Assemblies of God World Missions and also the National Church. So he's got a full plate. Carrie's heart is truly for the women of Madagascar, and she has led the women's ministry in developing a curriculum and conducting outreaches, special events, and promoting discipleship growth and empowering uh, to these women's lives, to pastors' wives, female pastors, and just the women of the church. And they're ministering to a lot of people in the streets. So today, um, the Rossifers are currently part of a team that has planted the first English-speaking church in the national church in the capital city of, I'm going to try to get this right, Antana Revo. <laughs> It's, it's called Salt and Light Church, and it celebrated its first successful grand opening on September 3rd of this year, and about 100 people were in attendance for the first service. So this plant is a very strategic plant as it's in a response to growing trends that are changing um, in Africa, a global, uh, global urbanization change. And it's happening in all of Africa's major cities. And um, so let's see. It's causing a major shift in the culture. And its influence in these cities uh, is changing as well. And it's happening in Antana Revo. So the purpose of Salt and Light Church is to impact, attract, influence, and reach the urban professionals, the lawmakers, and all the influencers, families, students, and 
reach them for Jesus and influence uh, them for the kingdom of God. So let's pray really quick for our uh, missionaries, Jay and Carrie. Lord God, I pray that you would continue to bless and give your favor, wisdom, and direction to Jay and Carrie and the leadership team of Salt and Light Church, Lord. I pray that you would bring in all the resources that they need to continue to uh, build this church, Lord, that you would cause it to flourish and grow and permanently be established in Antano Revo. God, I pray that all that come to Salt and Light Church would embrace the mission and that they would influence Antano Revo for Jesus. And I thank you for hearing our prayer in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, let's give it up for Cheryl. So if you can't tell, we love missions at this church. Uh, one of our first impressions when Leah and I first arrived here were, this church loves to pray, and they love missions, and we're living that out. Um, so it's great to be here this morning. Uh, it's, uh, if you're new or visiting, my name is Jordan. I'm a staff pastor here at Rockside, and um, welcome. We're just so glad you're here worshiping with us today. Thank you, worship team. Like, it was really a treat to be on the other end of this. Um, great job. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but they come during the week, Thursday nights. They give up their time. They get here early Sunday, and uh, they just do a great job leading us into the presence of God. So great job, worship team. We appreciate you guys. So we've been in a sermon series called Flawed for the past couple of weeks, and today we are going to look at the life of Jacob, and there are a lot of chapters. So I encourage you this week, we're not going to read it word by word this morning. Uh, we'll get out at like 5.30. People will be hungry. They'll start rioting. We're not going to do that. But I encourage you this week when you have some time, read through Genesis 25 through 33, there's a lot to Jacob's life, um, and it's amazing to see that God works in flawed people, like Jacob, like me, like you guys, uh, and he does great things uh, in and through us. So I want to share this story. So Arabella, could you put this picture up? Can we just say, aww? So this is me and my brothers. Which one am I? I'm the one on the left that looks like he got licked by a llama. <laughs> I'm that one. Uh, so here's a story. Uh, when we were around this age, it was time to go to the doctor. And what is every kid's fear when going to the doctor? What question are they asking? Am I going to get a yes? And that was our fear. Um, and, you know, we do the, the, the doctor comes in, does our little checkup. And then, of course, they wait till the last, you know, you know, they saved the worst for last. And there's three of us, so, you know, I'm the, I'm the youngest. So my oldest, Joshua, in the middle here, he goes first. And they close the door and they lock it behind them. And they're like, all right, buddy, come on, sit up here on the paper. Remember the paper? Ah, oh, I love that. And then they were trying to hide the needle, uh, but we saw it because, you know, we were very vigilant. Like, we don't want sharp things near us. And, you know, they gave him the shot. He's screaming. I'm looking at my twin, Jonathan. I'm like, we're getting out of here, man. 
And uh, we, we tried to book it out of there, but the doors locked. We were stuck. And uh, it was just, uh, it was a funny memory I thought of while I was preparing this. Uh, so I know me. I was like four, four or five then. I'm 32, 32. I'm old enough to forget my age. Um, I'm 32, 32, right, Leah? 32. I'm 32. And uh, I know that I want to avoid things that cause me pain, right? I want to avoid things that cause me uh, uh, to struggle. Uh, I, w- I want to run away from all that, right? If I had it my way, it would be sunny and 75 every day. I wouldn't need to match socks. Come on, who hates that? I do. Wouldn't need to go to the BMV and uh, get my registration renewed. They, like, need too much paperwork. Um, but anyway, uh, toilet paper would never run out. You know, it just I struggle with struggling. And I think I'm not alone in this. Uh, we all have things in life that cause us to struggle, things that we want to avoid. And I made a short list here. Maybe it's your health. Maybe there's something going on. You feel like something's off, but you, uh, you kind of avoid that. You don't want to make that call. You'd rather just uh, ignore it. My young adults, you know, you just pray and pray you don't die and you'll make it through your 20s. And, um, as far as relationships, maybe there's unresolved conflict. Or instead of clearing the air, we avoid or shove it down. Or uh, maybe we cut people off. Here's an interesting one I was thinking of. Maybe academic. Maybe you dropped out of school and instead of trying again, you ignore the idea of going back because you don't want to fail again. Maybe we struggle spiritually. Maybe you're mad at God. Maybe something happened in your life and you think if God was really good, why would he let this happen? Well, if you're in that place of struggle today, you're not alone. We all are there in one way or another. And the great news is that we aren't the first people to struggle with struggling. Uh, Jacob was someone who struggled in, in his life, but with God's help, he overcame. So let's pray this morning, and then we'll, we'll jump in here. So, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive and active that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. Jesus, we pray that you would illuminate your word and your truth would be unknown to us today. You would show us where we need to step. Jesus, I pray that you would just uh, give me the right words to say. In your name we pray. Amen. So who was Jacob? So Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. You may recall the term, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is this Jacob we're talking about. And God made a covenant with Abraham, Grandpa Abe, then Isaac, and then in Genesis 28, he makes the same covenant with Jacob. And this covenant has three parts. I am God. Uh, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're standing, and all people will be blessed through you and your offspring. And what is the blessing that God is referring to? It's Jesus. Even in the first book of the Bible, Jesus is right in there. God already has plans in motion to redeem humanity. That's good news. 
That is good news. But just like Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, and his father, Isaac, Jacob was not the most upright person. Uh, he had some flaws. And uh, his, his, the name Jacob literally means deceiver or heel grabber. Remember those books your mom would open? It's like, we're going to name our baby. Like, I can imagine Rebecca opening. Oh, Jacob, heel grabber. Let's pick that one. Um, <laughs> he was the second born of Isaac and Rebecca. And uh, when, in Genesis 25, when they were born, it says Jacob's hand was actually grabbing Esau's heel when he was born. So we're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 25, verses 27 through 34. I'm going, get ready, y'all. We're going to read some scripture. Um, So here we go. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful, skillful hunter, a man of the open country. While Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents with his mom. I kind of, I kind of, this in modern context, it would be like uh, Jacob was in the basement eating Doritos, playing video games. Like that's kind of the, the thing here. So uh, Isaac, who had a wild taste for game, loved Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob. So already in these couple of few verses here, we see that there's, this family's kind of dysfunctional. Dad loves the firstborn. Mom loves the There's kind of this sibling rivalry. Um, there's some issues in this family. And uh, let's keep going here. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. That's kind of random. But look, I'm about to die. Esau said, what good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Okay, we're going to jump down to Genesis 27, 6 through 23. So Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some of that game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. You can tell they've been married a while. She knows. Then take it to your father and eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, my mother, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man. Well, I have smooth skin. Uh, what if my father touches me? It would appear that I'd be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So as a good mama's boy, he went out and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food, just like his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son. She also covered his hands with the smooth part and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she made. He went to his father and said, my father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? 
Jacob said to his father, I am, your, I am Esau, your firstborn. That's probably how he said it, too, stumbling. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Uh, the, the Lord, your God, gave me great success, he replied. <laughs> then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Esau, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. So thanks for hanging in there. Uh, so after Isaac blesses Jacob, Jacob gets out of there as quick as possible. And sure enough, Esau is right there behind him with his wild game that he hunted. And Esau's expecting, finally, I'm going to receive this blessing from my father. But Isaac realizes that Jacob tricked him. Uh, it says in verse 35, he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taking my blessing. And so Esau, being the great hunter that he is, his response to all this was, I'm going to kill my brother. So, uh, so Re Rebecca hears this and uh, tells Jacob to flee to his Uncle Laban's house and to stay. Just stay with Uncle Laban until things calm down. So he's on the run, and he sets out for Uncle Laban's house. And while he's running, he decides to stop for the night. And as he was sleeping, God reveals himself and gives him that promise that he gave his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. He says, I, I will make you a great nation, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And Jacob responds, God, I'm going to follow you. Now let's back up a little bit. When, remember when he was handing the wild game to his father, he's like, the, the, the Lord your God gave me great success. Uh, there's, in this moment, it's no longer the Lord your God, it's the Lord my God. I think that's an important distinction to make real quick. Um, there needs to come a time in our lives where it's not someone else's faith who gets us through this situation. It's our faith. Um, it's not uh, someone praying on behalf of me. It's me praying to God myself. Uh, there's, there's time when we need to mature in God and take that step forward. And you see Jacob take that step here. So he says, God, I'm going to follow you. And he sets a pillar, and he calls it Bethel. So from there, we would totally expect Jacob to live a life of smooth sailing, right? It's, it's now sunny in 75. He wouldn't need to match socks. He wouldn't need to go to the BMV. Toilet paper would never run out, right? But what really happens? So Jacob arrives at his Uncle Laban's house, and the first person he meets is Rachel. Uh, Rachel is beautiful, and Scripture says that Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep. Uh, that's kind of weird, kind of forward of him, but, but it's, it's in there, so you should read it this week. Anyways, Jacob stays with his uncle Laban for about a month, and Laban decides to hire Jacob for seven years. And the agreement is at the end of those seven years, Jacob could marry Rachel. So at the end of those seven years, the time has come. And it says this in Genesis 29, 22 through 30. 
So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. Someone say, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah. And Jacob made love to her. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. And Laban gave his servant Zilpha to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. Uh Uh-oh. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, and then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. (laughs) So that's a short phrase. Another seven years, but I know that if I had been deceived and I had to work another seven years for what was originally promised to me, I don't know if I would have stayed. And uh, what if what if Laban changes his mind, right? I already don't trust the guy. Uh, I would have been struggling, but knowing Jacob up to this point, uh, it's interesting. He he got in, into this whole situation by running, just like keep doing that, man. Just Get out of there. But what does he do? It says, and Jacob did so. So in these couple of verses, you see the change that's taking place in Jacob's life. The guy who was once uh, deceiving people and running away is now being deceived. Um, and it, but is sticking through things. He's following God, and you see God leading him in his life and through this process. So it looks like God is using difficult situations to bring his plans for Jacob. And even though Jacob struggles in this season, God blesses him, right? Uh, Not only did Jacob have Rachel and Leah, but God blessed him with kids and with goats, which are similar to kids, um, and camels and donkeys. And in, in Genesis 31, verse 3, the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your, of your father. And this meant that Jacob would need to return to the place where he fled from, okay? I want to re- read one more verse, and then we'll, we'll kind of unpack this a little bit. So Genesis 32, 22 through 28. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent them, uh, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. In this moment, you see God, he does his best work when the comforts of life are gone. The people that you find comfort in are gone. And it's just you and him. Let's keep reading. So. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When you look into this, um, this, these scriptures, uh, this man is a messianic figure. Um, Some theologians believe uh, it's God wrestling with with Jacob or it may even be Jesus or an angel. Um, But anyways, um, Jacob is wrestling with this figure till daybreak. When he saw that the man could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then he said, let me go for it is daybreak. 
But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? He doesn't say Isaac. He doesn't say Esau. He says, I'm Jacob. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. So if you read on from there, Jacob and Esau are reconciled, and God brings healing to their relationship. So when it comes to the life of Jacob, and thanks for hanging in there. I know that was a lot. (laughs) So when it comes to the life of Jacob, here's what you need to know today. If there's one thing I want you to walk away with today, it's this, okay? God uses struggle to shape you. God uses struggle to shape you. Jacob went from deceiving people to believing that God uh, would lead him where he needs to be led. And God used the process of struggle to bring about change in Jacob. So there were three things that that were shaped in Jacob through struggle. Number one is his identity. At the beginning of the story, we read that he was content with his mom in the tents. Remember, basement, Doritos, video games. That was Jacob. The only identity he had was deceiving others. Like, he was just, that was him. He would fake, he pretended to be someone he wasn't. Um, But God moved him from a place where he was content to a place of challenge, where he was in difficult situations, situations where he needed God to act. Um, And in that, Uh, It changed his identity. He was no longer a deceiver, but he was an overcomer. The next thing that that God changed was his character. So whenever there was an issue, he would run. He would run from it. Um, But God matured him to a place where he led him back to his brother Esau. He led him back to that place where he was running. Uh, And that's difficult sometimes. Uh, to to do that, to face those fears. But God led him to that place. And the third thing that was shaped in Jacob was his faith. Instead of deceiving to get what he wanted, he trusted God to provide what he needed. And just like Jacob, God uses struggle to shape you. And worship team, you can come up. I'm going to move down here. We're going to play musical mics today. So I'll come down here. So God uses struggle to shape you. Just like me in that doctor's office, we tend to run away from things that cause us pain. And, and this is why I bring this up today. If, if for your whole life you run away from things that cause you pain, you will never mature change or be shaped into fully what God needs you to be. We were talking about missions pledges. Maybe for some of us, that struggle is finances, and God is stretching our faith to trust him, that he's the provider. What could be shaped through your struggle? Just like Jacob, I would say your identity. God wants to move you into a place uh, that might be uncomfortable, but a place where uh, you are content, uh, you are content to be challenged. Let's just say it that way. I know for um, I think of our jam nights, uh, you know, once a month, and just the first time people come in, 
you can tell it's a challenge. This is a lot, but they're trusting the process. And as they walk through that, they see, okay, I didn't die. <laughs> I can keep going. Uh, I think there's something to that. And, and while we're trusting God in that process, he's shaping our identity. He's shaping uh, who he needs us to be. Number two, your character. God wants you to mature to a place where you just stop running and you start addressing what needs addressed. Maybe for us, it's to make that phone call to the doctor and finally make the appointment instead of worrying about, is this something serious or not? Maybe for some of us, it's calling that relative. Thanksgiving's coming, y'all. And uh, maybe we... Bring reconciliation to that relationship. Number three, God wants to shape your faith. God wants you to rely on him. He knows what he's doing. We look at the world events, want to remind us today, God knows what he's doing. We say he's Lord of all, he really is. So believe that, trust that, walk that out. So here's what we need to do today. Embrace who God has made you to be. Don't pretend to be an Esau. Be Jacob. Number two, examine yourself and ask, what is God trying to build in me this season? Is it courage? Is it grace? Is it perseverance? Is it integrity? And number three, engage with what you're avoiding. Because as you face those hard things, God will use it to challenge you and to change you into who he needs you to be. God uses struggle to shape you. So let's stand this morning. Uh, we're going to go into a time of communion. And if you did not receive communion elements this morning, you can just put your hand up and Ron will uh, get those to you. So I mentioned this earlier, but it's, uh, it's worth repeating. When God made a covenant with Jacob, he said this, I am the Lord your God, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So this covenant that God is making with Jacob is foreshadowing Jesus. God already had plans in motion to redeem people who were flawed and lost in sin. So on this topic of struggle, Jesus walked this out, right? People left him, they betrayed him, they mocked him, and they ultimately crucified him on a cross. But because Jesus submitted to the Father's will and paid the price for us since we walk in God's blessing today. That's good news, amen? The sting of sin and death has been cut off. We can now be in full relationship with God, and we have eternal life in Jesus.
So scripture instructs us to examine our hearts. So I want us to take a moment this morning and ask ourselves, is there anything between me and God this morning that I need forgiveness for? Are there areas in my life that I need to give to God today? Areas of struggle that I need to trust him with and to submit to his leadership? Let's take a moment and examine our hearts this morning. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And we had give, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray over the bread this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your body was broken for us. Lord, because you were broken, we can be made a whole today. In this moment, we remember and we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you embrace difficult things for our blessing today. Let's partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray over the cup this morning. Lord, we, we thank you that your blood was shed for us. Lord, because you gave your life our sins are paid. We're made completely new. Our names are changed. We're no longer in the pit, but you've pulled us out. You give us eternal life. So Lord, we thank you for embracing struggle so we can walk in your blessing. Let's partake this morning. We're gonna just sing the chorus of goodness of God. And can we just thank God for his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives? Come on, all my life. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am.
morning. Lord, we acknowledge your goodness in our lives. Lord, I pray in this place that we would walk in deeper levels of faith and deeper levels of trust. Lord, that if we're in difficult situations, if we're in a struggle, instead of running away from that today, we would embrace it. Lord, we know that you, you struggle to shape us. So we ask Lord, you are the potter's hand. Would you mold us and shape us into who you need us to be? And we'll trust you in the process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's...